Welcome to the Rerooted Podcast with Francesca Maxime, trauma-sensitive mindfulness meditation teacher and poet. Together, we'll take a closer look at approaches to transforming trauma with insights from psychology, neuroscience, spirituality, social justice, and the creative arts. Join Francesca and her guests for an exploration of our shared connection and how we can cultivate greater compassion for ourselves and for others. If you'd like to support Francesca and the Rerooted Podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Francesca. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rerooted Podcast here on Ron Doss's Be Here Now Network. I'm Francesca Maxme, and I am here and really honored uh, to be with and in the presence of Shirley Turcott, one of my teachers and trainers. Um, so beautiful to be with you, Shirley, uh, from Indigenous Focusing Oriented Therapy. Um, welcome to, to our conversation today. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor to be here, too. You know, Shirley, I know that we have gone through such a challenging year in so many ways. Um, And yet, at the same time, uh, a lot of the challenges that the last year has revealed to us are not new challenges overall uh, in terms of what it means to be a human on this planet, but particularly what it means to be indigenous and that the ways in which you've been offering healing to people for decades, but also in particular um, around this time, uh, have a way of pointing to uh, a kind of healing that I don't know that um, is available or uh, something that a lot of people know about. So maybe we'll just start from the lens of what does it mean to kind of have an indigenous lens when it comes to looking at healing, when it comes to looking at repair, when it comes to looking at being in, as you say, all my relationships, all my relations? Yeah, that's a very good question. And um, the best way to, um, you know, you said some very important uh, things about about the times we're in right now and how how important it is right now um, that we be able to hold hold this time and to be able to be in relationship with something like a pandemic, which we know historically we've been, you know, Indigenous peoples have been through many pandemics um, and we have a lot of experience in how to be in relationship with something as horrendous that we know is going to kill so many of our peoples. And we're going to be the first to die because we're always the first to die. We're, you know, uh, coming out of genocide and still in genocide. So it's a, it's a, um, uh, having an Indigenous uh, philosophy and a, and a framework uh, is extremely helpful. So being in an all my relations relationship with something like a pandemic is critical to our survival. So what does that mean? What does the all yeah. my relations mean? Uh, it means to be connected and interconnected to all of life and land. So in other words, what you're experiencing, what you in your own body is experiencing, does not belong to you it's something that's held collectively so uh, when I'm experiencing you know anxiety about pandemic or anxiety it's not just my lived experience I'm holding my community there too and that it's not only that it's intergenerational so that means that this felt sense in my body my bodily experiencing of pandemic is not just me 
I'm not alone. I, I am also connected through the generations. And not only am I connected through the generations to my ancestors and to my siblings and my family and my community, but also to land itself. And that's the thing that right now is so important that this bodily anxiety or horror or genocide is being held by the trees, by the by the concrete that I walk on, by the wood on my floors, because in an Indigenous All My Relations perspective, all of that is living. It's living mm. and it's alive. And so I'm not holding it alone. So it's possible to, to not only continue and survive, um, but in some ways to thrive uh, and to be and to be held through impossible odds. And as we know, the pandemics hit the indigenous communities. We, we don't even have clean water in many communities in our, in, in our territories, right? So uh, our numbers are always greater. The deaths are greater. Um, but the surviving, we're the fastest growing demographic in the, yeah. in the world. That's another thing, you know, we are, we are thriving. Yeah. through horrendous experiencing. We're, we are thriving through genocide, right? Where you yeah. can't have clean water in a nation where water should be always available, right? right. Uh, so all my relations means to be completely interconnected and to be, and to know that whatever you're bodily experiencing uh, is not just yours. It's it's right. in, It's in the web of life. And so that allows you to uh, to put one foot in front of you uh, and mm. to be able to keep going forward uh, with love, uh, which is really important without um, without losing your mental health, without losing your sanity, without losing your relationships um, and uh, thriving together through impossible odds. It, yeah. With relations, you can do that. Beautiful. I, I so love what you're saying. And it's not the first time I've heard you offer this, but of course, for the listeners of this podcast and for this piece, it's probably the first time they've sort of thought about it in this way, being in relationship to and with the pandemic as it is. Well, and also the other way around, like it's in relationship with you too. Like the tree uh, that you lean into knows you and you know it and you're in it together. So it's... Uh, it's very, very um, relational. It's all yeah. my relations, so it's relational. Right? Right. And when it comes to pandemic, you're in relationship with that. Uh, you know, with when you're in relationship with something that can kill you, you you take the proper steps and you and you create the 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 proper space. Um, but you're awake and present for it when you're in relationship. I mean, one of the things that's happening with the pandemic is people are out of relationship with it. So they bury their heads in the sand and it just walks right into them, right? They, um, they you know, the public, uh, oh, I'm not, oh, we're all going to anti-mask because, uh, you know, the pandemic doesn't mean anything. You know, you're, you're not present for it. But if you're in deep relationship with the pandemic, you see it, it sees you. You, you, you know what movements you need to make for the best for not just you, 
because indigenous, all my relations, you're, you're kind of insignificant. Yeah, you're just a, a tiny little speck, really. The community yeah. is what's really important, right? So you will take the right steps. You'll do the right steps when it comes to a pandemic if you're in relationship with it. Uh, yeah. and, and you are um, all my relations with it. You'll use all the medicines. You'll do what 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 is needed to to navigate through that. Um, uh, so I think it's not the time to be out of relations with something like a pandemic because that's uh, if you're not staying present for that. Uh, the, you know there there are many the ICUs are full. You know there. Our hospitals are full. We're pushing people around. Uh, people are dying in ridiculous numbers. But a lot of them are out of relationship with the pandemic and, mm. not, and not being uh, present for it in a, yeah. in a collective way so that you're not all alone with it. Because <laughs> it, well, exactly. it will beat you out, right, <laughs> if you're alone, right? But if you're in an all my relations, it means you're present and you're collective about it and it makes it very manageable we made our way through many pandemics yes 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 I love what you're saying because it the the there was a metaphor an image that came to me a little while ago to understand what you're talking about like when we're all we're feeling like we're all alone in it and it's like it's like trying to be on stilts all the time like you know it's kind of killer during genocide uh you know that's a real killer when someone feels they're the only one in indian residential school is being raped in that bed or you know own and you're all by yourself and you're out of your culture you're out of your the things that you know that would you know uh you know as a as a daughter of a pedophile if i hold those rapes all by myself and it's only happening to me and i'm all alone in it i can I tell you, my mental health will not be okay. <laughs> but right. you know, if the wall that I move into that holds me while this thing is happening, I'm in relationship with and you know, I'm not alone. The grandfather's there with me. And the, the same thing you hear from, from any tortured person who's in on all my relations relationship, they know that the tree is holding them and the tree knows them and the, you know, even the bed that they're lying on looks after them, like they're not alone. So that, you know, I think that concept of aloneness and and tragedy is so much a Western concept because everything is, I, I, me, my, my feelings, this is happening to me, rather than this is what's happening for me and the very walls around me and the bed that's holding me, right? Like the idea of everything uh, inanimate being animate from an indigenous wellness place, everything is alive. So you really basically are never alone. There's no mm. such thing as aloneness. It's not even, that would be our biggest nightmare in the indigenous world. And there's no such thing. Everything is interrelated and connected. So you are really basically never alone. And you're something, you're in relationship is sharing this with you. And you're moving together through this. Uh, and you are basically never, ever alone. Um, yeah. Die if you were alone. <laughs> There's no yeah. such thing. There's no such thing in in a West, in a uh, Indigenous philosophy. There yeah. Is no I, I love that, too, because it's like a delusion that we've been 
I don't know what taught that we're alone or something. Um, and the suffering that comes with that is so painful and so sad. I mean, yeah. people I've, you know, sat with hundreds and hundreds of survivors, thousands, actually, I'm almost 70. So a lot of, I've been at this all my life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, it isn't until you can strike up a knowing, uh, an experiential knowledge and knowing that there is no such thing as alone, that that you actually see how, how quickly people lift out of um, extraordinarily suffering spaces that were unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Like part of the, um, the illusion that you are just a being all by yourself. Uh, you yourself your feelings all belong to you your felt senses are yours and mm -hmm. you know, uh, the narcissism of the eye is a big killer when it comes to genocide yeah the narcissism of the eye is a big killer when it comes to genocide can you extrapolate a little more on that uh if it if it all if it's all me uh Really, I, I I would not be able to breathe. I think I would die. Yeah. I think I would just I think I would just die uh, if I didn't have the interconnections of family mm. and siblings and you know many and and be able to uh, hold somebody else's pain and for them to hold some of mine when needed be. If I was just a lonely drop of water instead of a river, yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. And, yeah. um, and so the other thing that's so extraordinary is that um, survivors of genocide and, and trauma uh, are, are um, you know, even though they may not know they are collective and intergenerational and that the bodily experiencing that they're going through is not just theirs, but it's a collective experiencing. Um uh, that all my relations is always happening behind the scene, whether you know it or not, because you can't stop that. We're always in relationships. So even if you try to, it's only me, underneath it all, it's all we. So, yeah. so it's all happening anyway. If you slow somebody down who's in excruciating pain and you get underneath all that pain, they they find out, oh my God, uh, it's the tree that kept me alive today. Oh, oh my God, the, the wall shared this with me. Oh my God, I'm not alone. But it's all happening regardless of what your thinking is or what your, your um, society is saying. Uh, wow. Whatever the picture is that's being presented to you is not the real picture because the real picture is a collective, all my relations interconnected intergenerational yeah. way of being whether you yeah. like it or not we're designed that way as human as humans and as uh creatures of the earth and as uh, land of the earth we're, we're all connected whether we believe it or not if you dig down you're going to find that i mean that's why yeah. Indigenous focusing oriented therapy works so well with non-Indigenous peoples, because once you can get underneath the shit, you find, hey, guess what? I'm your sister. We're, we're connected. We're, you and I, we're one, right? No right. matter what. No matter right. what is told to you. <laughs> right, right, right. I, 
I love that, that it's always there, whether we realize it or not, or remember it or not. And that and part of the, uh, I guess, the remembering is the uh, the, the realization of, of what you're talking well, about. Well, remembering is the healing. Yeah. Because once you get that, uh, you're, you come out of suffering. Yeah. Right? So the remembering of all my relations is the healing piece in high thought, in indigenous yeah more into therapy it's the remembering it's the remembering of all my relations that allow that pulls everyone out of work to be able to be present and to be able to walk on the i me mine is too narrow but the we us is big enough to hold it and um the 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 the, yes right right Right, 100%. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, for um, our listeners, a little bit more about the ancestral intergenerational like piece in terms of like, if, if we're used to in this way of, of, of thinking and the Western world uh, that we can be programmed by or whatever, um, talk to in society about, if we're used to thinking about things about like right here, right now, and, and thinking about time is just like sort of linear and, you know, yesterday and today and tomorrow, how is this lens in terms of ancestral and intergenerational different uh, and how does that inform the healing? Well, it's, it's something that doesn't come from our thinking. It comes from our felt sense and our felt sense is our bodily experiencing. It's our bodily experiencing of the relationships we're in. And so the way to connect in with your ancestors or your all my relations is something that is not something you think about. It's so more, much more implicit. It's an all my relations uh, led by the felt sense. And I guess the best way I can uh, do that uh, is uh, I'll take you through a tiny little experience. Yeah. Sure, why not? I'm to, fine with that. Okay, uh, just so that we can find uh, how the felt sense is what brings us into our into our ancestral relationships and who will show up and who will we be with and what goes on there. So what I want you to do then for just a minute, Francesca, is to think about a body of water and not just any body of water, but take your time, uh, a body of water that, that you know and one that knows you. There's a body of water somewhere out there, whether it's a mud puddle you once knew uh, or whether it's a, an ocean that shows up but just make space for a body of water to. Mm, I have it. And as it's coming to me, I have it. And as it's coming to me, there's tears coming also. All right. Just allow yourself to allow that, that, that water that knows you and that, you know, to have a bit of space. And what you want to notice Francesca is just inside the body of you. How does your body experience that water and just really notice the trunk of you i see that some of it is emotional and some of it is you know maybe down in your breath there uh does is it in your chest is it in your throat is it down in your belly but there's a way in which your body experiences this body of water and the and the and the body of water experiences you as well so this felt sense that you have with this water 
not only do you have this felt sense in your body, this bodily way of experiencing that particular body of water, that body of water experiences you with this felt sense too. You're mm. in a felt sense bodily experiencing where this water knows you and you know this water. Mm. Just even more broaden that a bit more, Francesco. Who else has this there too? Take your time. Is there any other humans that have this or animals or trees or land? Who else has this felt sense with you? Take your time. It doesn't belong to you. It's a collective felt sense with that is land-based and maybe broader than just you. And then it even goes further. It might even go to an ancestor knows this too. This felt sense bodily experiencing with this particular piece of water. A particular ancestor might have this felt sense with you too. Mm. Very specific one. Take your time. And if you're an if you're you know indigenous and have walked that territory a long time, many of your ancestors may share this felt sense with you as well. Mm. It's way more than just you, and it and it, it and it's not a thinking thing. It's a bodily knowing. And when you're ready, just come back and let's just talk about that a bit and it may or may not have given you a an yeah. opening to an ancestor but it certainly offered a space where that is possible and that's the thing that's really important is that is that our ancestral conversations are openings that are generally opened through a felt sense uh yeah not thinking about them so do you want to say a little bit about what happened for you there Sure. I wasn't, yeah. What what came to me, I wasn't thinking so much about it, but I was just sort of there on the land of um at my grandfather's house, which is where I was pretty much raised. Um, there was a river behind his house that my mother and her siblings and um, you know, that they would play on, ice skate on, like whatever it is. But it was just sort of we felt down back. And um, down back at the end of the yard behind the trees, there was this, you know, river and it would freeze over in the winter with New England uh, winter. And I didn't spend as much time down there sort of ice skating and doing the things that, you know, maybe my mom and her siblings did. But it was a place that I know well because my grandfather would spend time down there. So this and is so this, really this is something really important that you're saying that you know understanding that intergenerational uh, felt senses are you might you know are can be handed down you might not have even been there but you would share it with your mother anyway do, do you mm -hmm. understand like uh, it, you hear this from people who have lost their families. Uh, they say, I never will know my family. And I say to them, that's really not true because the felt senses of your family still live in you and through you and with you. So, you know, your grandfather, the, the children that were there with your mom or the siblings, they maybe had that felt sense too. Is that what you were noticing there? It was a shared yeah, sense. A shared felt sense of, and what was coming for me was like a sense from him, my grandfather, more of like landedness, groundedness, 
connection to the land, very much so. And for them, the sense of curiosity, play, and fun that children have and can have when they're allowed to have that, um, of exploration, of, of their connected community as a family. And all of that came up through your felt sense. Mm-hmm. It, see that interconnectedness? Mm-hmm. It brought with it, you know, a huge uh, bodily family story. And, and a visit from your grandfather. Yeah, you know? and it feels more open. And also to my family that I'm very feeling disconnected from and of or about, you know. It's just it, it, just sort of a lightness, like, oh, it's okay there. Yes, and it brings connection. You know, and it's so important when there's been tragedy, you know, that, um, that you still be able to have those connections. Like, especially, like, for me, my father's a a pedophile how do I have a connection with a pedophile through the felt sense right <laughs> it's more than just what their behaviors were it's it's a it's a more intergenerational all my relations through the generations I'm able to to have that connection and right. uh, so it's not associated with behaviors it's associated with a felt sense and an intergenerational relational uh, bodily experiencing that is not even just yours, but is interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. Time and generations. So I don't know if that helps explain it. uh, Even if we did a good job at that, but it's uh, one way of talking about it. Yeah. No, I question a bit. No, I, I really appreciate that because I think it just gives people a sense of what it means to be in conversation with that which is beyond whatever little thing I can see with my eyes right in front of me right now well, because it's not it's, about that. It's about no. something. And also, it's uh, I would call what happened with your grandfather there a visit in the Indigenous mm. world that, well, you're visiting there, right? That's yeah. So that's an ancestral visit. It's very sacred. It's yeah. very powerful. Uh, so you know, that that that's how those visits happen, and how and, the connecting takes place. Yeah, so, and as you're talking about that, what I'm realizing is that I think a lot of times when that happens, people aren't don't want to are told not to receive it. Like I can't. So can we talk about the receiving? Uh, yeah, but you know, it, it doesn't really matter because it happened anyway, and it'll do the medicines that it was there for anyway. So, mm. so uh, that's the beauty of all my relations is that, you know, uh, especially with what in indigenous culture, it's a lot easier. Oh my God, my grandfather's here. Right? It's so easy because uh, we're so used to all my relations. But if you try to bring that over into a westernized um, world where people didn't grow up with an indigenous worldview uh it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to them and they have trouble receiving it as such right it's uh, it's like it doesn't fit at the same time even though it doesn't fit it still happened yeah and, that, and that's and it still did something to your chest there it still healed something it broadened your breath so regardless if you believe it or not it still took place 
uh, it's always happening. Spirituality is always taking place and it's always happening. All my relations is never not happening. You can put all the judgments and say what you want about it and say, oh, that's not real. It doesn't matter. It still took place and it still did something that was useful. So what I love about that is the emergency to get people to believe you or to think with your worldview uh, is such a waste of time. It's a waste of my time. I won't even go there like to, uh, to deal with resistance. I don't really care. The fact is it's still working. And so I don't even have to engage that. Uh, I, I don't have time to engage it. Uh, I'm not here to, to have somebody look at an indigenous worldview and believe it. I really couldn't give a shit about that. All I care about is that we keep relating and that it, all the medicines are still happening so that we can uh, meet the biggest challenge that we've ever met before, which is, um, you know, which is global warming, which is uh, how do we, you know, this pandemic will be over, but the the situation on the planet is not going to be over. So uh, all the more important it is to um, to have all my relations working. You know, we need indigenous medicines and indigenous uh, uh we need this to be all happening right now because how else will we meet the challenges that we're going to be meeting for our grandchildren that's coming that's up right. in the middle of, right? Is the, is our, is, um, you know, how do we save the planet? I mean, the planet will save itself, but humanity might not. Right. <laughs> the planet is going to be fine. Right. But we might not be here and our grandchildren may not be here. The planet yeah. will resolve itself. Land yeah. does that. But, and, you know, uh, will we be here for it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really appreciate that because um, it's the, maybe the stewardship or the caretaking or the, the relationship with that is determinant there. Not, not you know. Um, so perhaps maybe we can talk a little bit more about, um, you know, the way in which uh, the medicines, you talked a little bit about the medicine, you've referenced that a few times. And in Indigenous uh, world, you know, there is something very specific in terms of plant-based medicine. Like we talk about things like, you know, cedar and, you know, sweet grass and oil and things like that. But we also talk about like what the medicine is in terms of what it is that's the healing that's emergent. Can you talk about how we talk about the medicine in both ways not that they're separate but <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a it's a complicated word and maybe i shouldn't be using it but medicine for me today and again everything's always in flux and everything's alive in i fought so everything is always shifting medicine for me is everything the concrete wall that i could hide in the the uh, uh, you stepping into the stepping into the the visit with your grandfather that's medicine you are medicine uh you know so uh, mm. it's not it, it it's about um again it's about that felt sense relational relationship uh connection it's the medicine is is the interconnecting <laughs> of life and land right yeah. and you can tell when it's off and it's bad medicine and you can tell mm. when it's on and it's good medicine. 
right? Mm. And so, um, you know, medicine is many things. It's, uh, um, it's when that relationship, when balance is there, when, when balance is there and you're present for it, right? You could be in, uh, in good medicine with the pandemic or in really bad medicine with the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, but it, it can be used in multi-ways for many different themes. Like uh, when you, when I go back into a trauma scene or I'm tracking, because we do a lot of tracking in, in Indigenous psychotherapy, we track through, through time uh, and find our medicines there where where the shit was going down. And for me, in in a rape scene, it could be a concrete wall, could be my medicine. Or And can I just pause there, Shirley, and, and, and just highlight that? Because in Western culture, they would say, oh, that's a dissociation, or that's a, uh, or they might say something along the lines of, you know, you, you went away, or, you know, uh, you're, you're, um, and, and I, or, or maybe they would, I don't know, but, uh, or, or maybe it would be like, um, how is that different from well, the when regression? I dissociation, when I think of dissociation and complex trauma, I think of memory dissociation. I think of tracking to spaces where you were dissociating to survive and you're observing a memory dissociation. But that when you're actually tracking a felt sense, you are not dissociating. You're, Got it. You, you are actually, but you may reach a dissociative space where you were dissociating, a memory dissociation versus being dissociated, right? Got it. When you're tra- tracking a felt sense, you're very much present for observing your observation of the self and where you are in time and and whatever movements are coming forward, you're 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 totally not dissociated. Just as when you were tracking, uh, you were tracking water there, and the water took you to your to your grandfather's home. Uh, you were not dissociating. You were tracking. We would call that tracking time. Yeah. Tracking through time, you know. And uh, and time is always here in the indigenous world, past, present, and future. Is mm. all here. It's not linear. Like I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. In the Western world, it's so it's so linear. You know, it happened. And, you know, but for for Indigenous peoples, time is here, right? And it's right here, right now. And so, past, present, visit, and future, right yeah, here, right you, now. You can visit. You can visit any any spot in time, and and poke around it. Not relive it. Don't relive it. But poke around it and see what it knows. Get your experiential knowledge of whatever went down, because that experiential knowledge is knowledge keeping. That's what's going to help you with your problems in today's world. So, um, you know, we don't look at our horrendous experiences as being something we need to relive. Um, but we also, but we do look at those experiences as holy shit. That's knowledge. Nobody knows that like you know that because you you did that. 
How did you do that? Let's go sniff around that time and see what the medicines are. What's there that that can help you in today's world? So a flashback that's happening in your world right now or trouble that's happening in your world right now that has something to do with your past. It's not that the past needs to be repaired. It's the past is a knowledge keeping space that no mm. that can really help you in today's world because the problem you're facing today looks, smells, tastes a little bit like something that happened before. So yeah. we're going back in time to pick up the medicines that it knows to be able to help with the current situation. And that could be from some ancestor that you never met that it comes to you or it could be from your own experience or your own parents or grandparents or auntie's experience or whatever right until you track it yeah you have to track it you can never guess because only you follow it only the felt sense has the information you don't and so you've got to track the felt sense and the felt sense is is an interconnected all my relations space and it wouldn't be unusual to say, to hear in a session, an iPod session, someone to say something along the lines of, this is something that, you know, I have a very clear vision of something at a pyramid or at a, you know, at a, at a clearing or at a whatever it is, right, that um, is very vivid, but is also not something that they can point to to say, like, this is something that happened to me since I was born in 1971 and I visited it in 1985 but that because space-time past present and future are all here now very much is a place this this place is here it knows something it's an experiential knowledgeing place that's connected to me somehow through the generations it knows something it wants to show me something it you know I need to hear what this is saying so that I can get the experiential knowledge of that intergenerational space, you know, whether it's a a dragon from the 14th century or whatever it is. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter, but it's a knowledge-keeping place. Yeah, beautiful. You wouldn't be going there unless it was a thread of importance. To help figure out a problem solve, a problem that we can try to solve today. Yeah, Yeah. beautiful. Can you you talk a little bit about... about, um, you know, well, I just lost my thought um, about the idea of in an iPod session, um, we what that kind of looks like for for someone. I mean, what are some of the situations, the issues that people, you know, come with and to? Oh, I know what I was going to ask. When you when when you're noticing how people are physically, when you're noticing um, how people are in a session, like I yeah, you know what I'm referencing, um, and and how that helps with facilitating whatever needs to emerge. Well, what you look at when you're when you're with a client is you look at where they are in time, which is is really, and they might not notice where they are in time. They might be presenting an issue or a problem, but they're, and they aren't observing themselves possibly. They might not notice they're in what we might call the East or the South or the West or the North, right? So each one of the, what I'm, what I'm noticing a client and their whole body and how their body is situated. um, I, my first question is, and I thought psychotherapist is where are they in time? 
as and if they're you know like if I'm like this I'm, t- I'm really scared about what I'm gonna do and I don't want to I really can't believe that my husband did this to me and you can see as I'm saying this I, I, you know I am not really a, you know a 70 year old woman <laughs> that's talking about her marriage I'm really like I'm five or six or seven years old talking about my marriage right so yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that the the psychotherapist can do is sort of stop time and have that person notice how old they feel there where they're saying that and and help them observe that there's another time in the room that has something to say about something that's going down in their lives, right? Yeah. Uh, so again, time is not always just a place you track to, it's a place that you see right in front of you as a clinician. Um, and, and sometimes people are stuck in time, like you'll see, you know, a man who's stuck at 14 and he's like, you're watching him as he's doing all his work and he never leaves 14. So he's like, he never got past 14, right? Because he kind of got stuck in time, right? And, and, and so, uh, time is a very big deal in the Aboriginal, in, in Aboriginal psychotherapy, right? Time gets interrupted and trapped and stuck. And there's all kinds of things you do with time. Uh, there's so much involved with time in, in, um, in Indigenous psychotherapy, because it's all right here, right here, right now. Mm, even even mm. if you have not met it, even if your yeah. client has not met it, it's still right there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and even if you watch what you just did there, your body, your your body has its own motions and movements. Right. And it it has a direction that it's going in. Right. And so as a clinician, being able to notice those movements that might not even be your client, it might be your grandfather there making that movement for you. <laughs> it's very it's a whole different other way of looking. Right. Because uh, he was visiting and he was here. I got to check in whose hands are these? Are these yours or are these his? <laughs> right. So, uh, it's very it's a very interesting um uh, you know, the body is a fascinating, uh, the other thing as the clinician in, in an Aboriginal, all my relations, uh, relationship, uh, you know, that the client in the room is not just Francesca. Now I've got your mother, there are her siblings and your grandfather. So there I am. Now that's my client. My client is everyone that's in the room that you brought into the session. So it, uh, it changes, um, you know, again, it's, uh, it's an all my relations relationship as well in the, and the river's there too. Now I've got, you know, all that's right here and that's what right. I'm working with right now. So uh, as a therapist, you really have to be on the ball to see who's all in the room because your client yeah. has a little piece of that. <laughs> Right, right. No, I love, I love that. Again, yeah, part of the thread of the tapestry of the whole thing, the whole, the yeah, whole thing. All my relations. Um, yeah, all the, my relations. The holisticness of it. Yeah, and and Shirley, you've mentioned the felt sense a few times as that as the key sort of. I don't want to say driver because that's, but you know what I mean by that. Um, the key sort of place of emergence, if you will. Um, and that is, um, I know you knew Jean Genlin um, personally. Um, and 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 sort of worked with him. Can you tell tell us a little bit about that? I met Jean in the seventies, in the late seventies, and I I appropriated uh, his 
his words because he had such an elegant way. And I loved his research. You know, he had an elegant way of um, describing, um, uh, not just elegant, it was a practical way for people to actually go inside and start to attend his things. Um, The thing that was missing for me with Gene's work, uh, big time, was the All My Relations um, Indigenous genocide-informed pieces that were critical to my peoples and to our peoples. And, uh, And so, you know, it was my personal relationship that allowed, he allowed me to appropriate and to shift and change and to decolonize his work uh, for a way that would actually fit in, in because Aboriginal psychotherapy was there, but it, it didn't have a platform like Jean had a platform that, uh, you know, you could call what I was doing Aboriginal psychotherapy and that was, you know, was helpful, but it, it needed, it needed um, a bigger platform. And so Jean was just so, Wonderful. I, I cannot believe how easy he made this for me. Uh, you know, I would go, I'd even stay at his house for a number of days, uh, bringing, you know, loads of papers and, you know, curriculum design and say, I want, I want to change what you're saying here. I want to do this. I don't want to do that. That's not helpful to me. And, you know, I go on and on and on. And uh, he was so patient with me and so such a good friend. Like, yeah, you're right. This is what you need. You know what you need for your people. Right? <laughs> yeah, in current, that's great. Yeah. Right, take it. What do you want to do? Bastardize it. Do whatever you want, Shirley. You know what the needs are. Right. He was right, so right. awesome. He was so awesome. He just let me kind of flip things on its head because, uh, and he allowed me to appropriate his language that was so helpful in teaching Aboriginal psychotherapy. So, um, but the actual fundamentals of, I thought, Indigenous psychotherapy is all my relations. Yeah. Uh, and it's, 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 uh, it's very collective and it's intergenerational. So yeah. it's not, you know, uh, it's not Jean's work, but Jean's work so helps with it right yeah and uh and and we became very good friends and he would call me for clinical supervision if he was on a strange case he'd call me in the middle of the night because of our time change and you know ask for help with this or that and it was it was very reciprocal and um you know I was I was filled with emergency and I I didn't have time to fart around because we had so many people dying and uh and he allowed he allowed me to do whatever. Never once questioned what I was about, and always supported it and promoted it, which is what mm. was required. Right. The harder yeah. part was um, how to get the nations, how to build the relationship within the nations to allow it to have space in the nations, because there was so much broken trust um, when it comes to psychotherapy. There was so much. Um, uh, so much patronization, so much um, uh, unhealing. Uh, you know, we we were in put in mental institutes. We were experimented on. We were there was just horrendous things that happened to us uh, in psychotherapy. Um, that that it was hard to trust that there could be an indigenous psychotherapy that was safe. 
that yeah. people would allow to have even sit on their territories. Right. So um, it took a that took that, that was the 40, 50 years of work. Not wow. just getting getting the curriculum designed and a good approach and a practical psychotherapy in place was the easy part. Delivering it was the hard part. You know, have building the trust with the various communities and not putting anything on their territories was the most important part. Like letting them know that what you were bringing there was something for them to open to their intergenerational knowing and knowledge. It wasn't to put something there. It was to help them see what they already knew and to bring it forward to save their, to save their, you know, bring down the clustered suicides and the, all the, and, and to see them through the tragedies that had happened through the atrocities, the, the genocide of having all their children taken and, you know, on right. and on and on. The amount on of and people. on. Two, two, two more questions because then we got to wrap it up. I know you got to go, and 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 I, you're you're retiring. I'm going to get back to that. Hold on one moment, um, and then, um, but the but the piece that extends from that, the residential schools, the missing and murdered women, the you know all of this. How is it? What is it? It is, you know, my, my being in New York, my sort of. Well, the way being yesterday. Dwayne huh? Wright died yesterday. That's right. That's that's right. Right during the during the 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 um. That's 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 the, right. The and like it it's never stopping. It doesn't stop. We can't keep our girls alive. Our men too are dying. You know, it's a very, what, very how do we flip it for those who are the for lack? I mean, I don't know if this is the right well, term I, or I, not, but. I don't think this is an indigenous problem. I think it's a, I, I really think it's a, it's a colonizer problem. Yeah. And, and the problem doesn't belong with us. It belongs with them. And until they can look at their own complex trauma, because imagine, I mean, they're, that's what's fucked up. They're, they're fucked up because they keep doing it. What's that's their issue, their problem. Uh, and I'm tired of it being looked at as an indigenous problem or a black problem. That's not, it's not our problem. It's just like violence against women is not women's issue. It's a man's issue. Men need to get involved with what their male behaviors are, right? Uh, and this is, this is not our problem. Uh, in fact, you know, we're way ahead of everybody else on healing. We've been working at this for a long time. They haven't started. The colonizers haven't started much. They don't even pay attention to what their behaviors are, right? So, uh, and and frankly, we're tired of holding it on our shoulders as if this is our problem, right? And and so the that has that's what has to turn. The colonizers have to recognize, um, and I, I'm half a colonizer, like my mother's white, my father's Aboriginal. Uh, you know, we colonizers, I'll include myself in there, have to look at how we could be doing this. What is, what's going on? What is our complex trauma that allows this evil to keep moving forward? And, yeah. and, and the issue belongs over there. And I don't feel like it's something that Indigenous people or Black or Hispanic people should have to ever answer. Go ask yeah. them. What's yeah. the problem? Don't ask me. That's how yeah. I feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. feel very strongly we've got to stop trying to answer that. And, yeah. and move that question over there. 
what what drove your grandfather and your great grandfather to do that? What's in you that's still in you that allows you to continue it? Yeah, right? there's where the question belongs. A hundred percent. And looking in the mirror, there I think is um, what needs to happen, and um, is happening in my experience, in tiny spaces, occasionally at times, and there's a lot of space for it to grow and emerge there. So holding space for the possibility of transformation there around that. Um, And the the colluding is as big a problem, the doing nothing about it. You know what I mean? The not not having those discussions is is, um, is huge. I, you know, it is. And I had a big kerfuffle, uh, for lack of a better word, over a listserv thing where I was posting about a embodied anti-racism training that I'm offering now, which very much incorporates at a felt sense level, some of the knowings that are here and, and metabolizing some of these knowings uh, in a way that helps us, helps us, everything, all my relations get more into the balance that's the original balance right that's the intention and the full power of the colonizer the whiteness that came forward in the responses with all kinds of hate and vitriol and whatever and I offer it back and say you know I think this is an opportunity for you to metabolize this in your own way I am not going to be metabolizing this and of course there's tears and of course there's all of my ancestors and all my relations that are mourning and grieving that this is still as exactly you just pointed out at the same time as what was happening in Brooklyn Center in Minneapolis as the George Floyd trial continues as everything that are un, that is unnamed continues but it just it, it just brought home even viscerally in my felt sense in my very deep knowing felt sense the grief and sadness that I have there. And again, making room for joy, which is I think why the river emerged with the children playing on the back because I need a little room for joy in my life about that. 20 year old, a beautiful, beautiful 20 year old father, right? It's just unspeakable. What, what, What moves that forward? And that question needs to be placed not on indigenous or black or Hispanic peoples. That's right. That's right, for an air freshener. Um, I know it's time to end. Um, Shirley, you're retiring. Tell me, what will you do as you retire um, this? What does retirement mean for you? I, you know, I don't know yet, but I know uh, on July 14th, uh, 2022, I'll no longer be an administrator of the IFOT Collective. Or one of the administrators of the IFOT Collective. It means I will not be making decisions for IFOT. Um, uh, you know, I'll, if they need me for something, like right this year, I feel I'm slowly taking a back seat and helping them with uh, helping the collective with um, whatever I can uh, from my experience. Um, but I'm going to maybe not be at the staff meetings, <laughs> not be at the administrative end of things. And um, and I haven't quite, I love clinical supervision. I hold three clinical supervision groups, nation to nation. So Indigenous uh, psychotherapists from across all the nations come together over Zoom uh, once a month, three groups of them. 
and uh, we we use IFOT sensibilities for cases and complications in communities and different things that are coming up for people. I love that so much. I might continue the clinical supervision. Oh, good. Then I can join. If I can do it from the road, you know, if I can do it on my journeys. Um, and uh, th that's where my biggest joy comes from is sitting with the people that are sitting with the people. Right. Um, but the um, hopefully I know people want they say things like, um, you you know, write a, they, everybody wants you to write a book. Everybody wants you to, I make a lot of little videos. You know, I, I don't know if you um, subscribe. Yeah. I make a ton of little videos. Go to Shirley's YouTube page. Well, to help, to help the communities. And there's lots of little exercises there they can do. I feel that's better than a book. You know, I mean, I could do a book, but, uh, you know, I and I have done some chapters in different books, but I really feel you know, the visual, the seeing, the speaking, even maybe this little thing is helpful to somebody who is um, trying to put together a presentation or trying to under do some research. Um, you know, I find video and, and this kind of thing much more, um, I like to do this more than yeah. and writing a book, which I find very dry and boring. Yeah. <laughs> Although the I I did try to ask the communities to send me their stories and then I could write into their stories, a book from their stories, uh, from their experiencing of IFOD. But I didn't get enough of them to actually warrant a book. And and, and some may still come in. And if they do, mm -hmm. I, may write, I may write a book, but mm -hmm. another, uh, you know, a more practical book on IFOD. But um, retirement uh, uh, looks like... Um, Grandchildren, cottage, um, ocean, yeah. uh, sleeping in the back of my car on the road somewhere in a bush. <laughs> All the things I normally like to do. <laughs> um, okay. All right. More of that. I love that. Well, I wish you more of that. And I wish, um, yes, uh, I'd like to dedicate our time together today also to, 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 to Dante, right? I really would, um, as you mentioned him and his daughter and, um, you know, all of the souls that, um, and all of the, the lands all around the world um, that have suffered uh, at the hands of imbalance, of ignorance, of injustice, um, and, uh, and just really want to honor your contribution for decades, a lifetime dedicated to offering insight and healing and um, all my relations with all my relations. That's a beautiful ending, Francesca. Be mm. rich. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Shirley. You too. Bye.